Hey there, what are you doing? Just looking at birds. Welcome, I'm your host Chris. Join me as I interview avid birders to learn more about birds, birding, and those who love both. Today's episode will be about items recommended by my guests that cost less than $100 and made a positive impact on their birding experience. This question has been around since episode 2 in my interview question set. I did not set any additional criteria and let guests choose whatever they liked. I organized the answers from the first eight episodes into three categories. Items under $100 that will increase your knowledge of birds and birding. Items that will increase your ability to identify birds while out in the field. And finally, items that will increase your level of comfort while birding. Before you head out to bird, these are some items that will better prepare you for the birds you may see and where you might see them. Karen shares two resources that will help you learn a lot more about bird behavior and where they might be found. And if you are wondering, yes, that is a vocal Gila woodpecker on a nearby tree. I swear by Birds of the World. Mm-hmm. It's a website, I think it's birdsoftheworld.org. Yes. It is published by Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Okay. And when I first got turned on to it, it was just birds of North America. And you can type in any bird, either taxonomically or just colloquial name, and it is going to bring up an exhaustive account of that species. Mm. Everything from just a general description down to specific ID marks mm. to habits, habitat, foraging, the food it eats, its breeding program, its courtship patterns, the nest conservation issues. I mean, it is nearly exhaustive. And some of the most recent information that we have on species now worldwide. Mm -hmm. A lot of accounts are not as fleshed out because we're still learning a lot about yeah. many birds of the world. But especially for North American birds, if you see a bird and you ask yourself a question, where does this bird breed? I go directly to birdsoftheworld.org and, okay. and get that information. There's also the Breeding Bird Atlas, for mm -hmm. example, for Arizona. New, these books can be kind of expensive. They're still under $100, maybe $70, $75. Yeah. Uh, but you can find a used copy for $30-ish. Okay. Birds of the World, an annual subscription is $42. Okay. And I just, I can't live without it. Can't live without it. And especially if you get into public interpretation and you want to be able to flesh out that bird and tell people more about it than just where you find it and what the ID is. Yes. You can get into a lot more detail and some of the sexy little habits that that bird might do yes. that make it an individual. Okay. So it sounds like that Birds of the World subscription gets you access to more recent research and then also a much broader span of information than you might get out of a typical birding guide or app. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's not only broad, it's deep. Hmm. So a typical app will give you a kind of a broad-based approach to a bird. Maybe you get a little map, a little regional map of where the bird appears. Yeah. But Birds of the World goes into serious depth and detail and uh, I just, again, I just think it's one of the greatest resources for any birder, not just a new birder, any birder. When you spoke about the Breeding Bird Atlas, 
what is the draw or the use? Why would I pick up that book? So if I have a Birds of the World subscription, I have these other apps, why would I pick up the Breeding Bird Atlas? Because what the Breeding Bird Atlas is going to do, for example, the Arizona issue, the Arizona edition, is going to tell you specifically where that bird breeds in Arizona. So it could be that breeding records have been found up in the White Mountains, Mm -hmm. but not in the Pinaleños, for example. Birds of the World is not going to give you that detail down to specific Mm -hmm. sites within a state or within a region. So for us, that's very helpful because when we're out and we see birds coming through migration, some of us may ask ourselves, well, is the purple martin nesting here? Birds of the world will tell you in general where the purple martins are nesting. It's mainly an East Coast bird. But yes, we do have a breeding population here in Tucson. And the Breeding Bird Atlas, hopefully, if it's a recent enough addition, will give you that information about where specifically those birds are nesting. Okay. Jeff also shares two resources that will help you to become a better birder. There's, again, a couple of things. One of them is free, and there's two books that that I think are very, very useful for learning kind of what to look for Mm. when you're trying to identify them. And one is the um, Field Guide to Advanced Birding by Ken Kaufman. And I think, and I've actually had the pleasure of being out with Ken before, and I actually mentioned to him that this would be a textbook for birding. And, and you could take the word advanced out of the title. Yeah. The second half of the book does go into some of the more tricky species pairs to tell apart. But oh. the first part of the book has loads of information that every birder should read, like the first roughly 100 pages. So that book is fantastic. Another book that came out four or five years ago. It's in the Peterson Reference Guide series. Uh, It's Birding by Impression Mm. by Kevin Carlson and Dale Rossellette from New Jersey. And that's basically using size and shape, what they call general impression, Mm. to identify birds, what to look for. And both of those are really good because they help you to train your brain onto how to think in a way that's going to be uh, more useful when identifying birds, but it may not be a way to think when you're first starting. Mm. Uh, So those are both very useful books. On Jeff's recommendation, I picked up a used copy of Advanced Birding. And while I haven't made it through the first 100 pages, I like how the book is organized into challenges. So you might not read the book cover to cover, but you would pick one of the challenges that you might be facing and read about it. I jump straight to the chapter on exhibitors, as that is an area where I needed help. It addresses many common points of confusion when identifying these birds. Even as someone that is relatively new to birding, I found the language to be easily understood and the points of differentiation between the birds were explained well and made sense to me. I'll also reiterate a suggestion I made in episode 14 about bird identification. A local birding field guide can be very helpful when you're looking to locate birds in a new place. I especially appreciated the range maps, having never used them before, as they helped me narrow down the areas I would visit, in addition to scouting hotspots on eBird. The following suggestions will increase your ability to identify birds while out in the field. Jenny shares a few options that you can bring along on your cell phone. So this is such an interesting question, because uh, so much emphasis is put on buying you know, high ticket items like binoculars and and scopes and things like that. And I, sure. I thought this was such a good question. So for a low 
price point item, I was tempted to say something like hiking boots or like hat, but but I kept going back to these these digital birding apps. Mm-hmm. So these bird ID apps you can get for like a smartphone, they're really very, very good. And they they have all the the strengths of what a smartphone can provide, where they're like a book. And they're they're not that expensive. You can get a really high-end one for between ten to twenty dollars, which is a lot for an app, but not very much for a book. Mm-hmm. Especially a book that has an audio component. Mm. So it has like you can get the Sibley uh, ID app for $20. Sometimes it's on sale for like $10. Mm. And it has all the illustrations that are in his book, but it also has audio files. So you can hit an icon and listen to the calls and songs of birds, which is an amazing resource when you're trying to learn birds or try to figure out what you saw. So I would say those apps, you can even get some bird identification apps for smartphones that are free. So Mm -hmm. the Merlin app from Cornell, Lab of Ornithology, or the National Audubon app, they're very, very good, and they're inexpensive. You can get even nicer ones for not that much money. So I think that has had a huge impact. I use it all the time because those books get kind of heavy to carry in the field. Sure. But you always have your phone, and even when you see a bird when you're not expecting to be birding, you, you have all that information on your phone. So I really think those birding apps are has been sh- such a huge game changer. Hmm. After trying numerous apps, Dan suggests the few that he regularly uses. The thing that's been most helpful for me over the last number of years is two particular birding apps. I have several different birding apps on my phones. Sometimes they're free, sometimes they're 10 or maybe $20 at the most, sure. but they carry a wealth of information. Uh, I use iBird Pro a lot. That's my go-to app to study birds. But the other that I love is Sibley because you can compare two birds side by side and hold up two different species side by side. Um, if you're not sure which it is and are trying to figure out what field marks to look at. So those are very handy tools. They aren't very expensive. Whether you use them in the field on your phone or use them when you're back in your car or sitting at home, uh, those are wonderful. And then then at home, another free resource is all the things that are on the internet. And allaboutbirds.org is a fabulous site to go to that really brings a lot of data and allows you places to go look for more data. Um, so those are the best things. Allaboutbirds.org cost you nothing. And the other two apps are really wonderful that I've found to use in the field. I've heard of Sibley, but I hadn't heard of iBird Pro. What is one of the advantages of that app or one of the reasons you chose that app? You know, I'm not sure at the beginning. The reason I use it now, though, is because it lists similar birds. So if you're not sure, you can look at the bird you think it is and then click on similar birds and go to their page on the web. It just, for me, it has a variety of, a number of different photographs too, both drawings and photographs of a bird, because often the picture of birds that are used in any kind of bird guide may not look exactly like what you're looking at in the field. The pictures or representations are drawn for different reasons, and birds in different seasons look differently. In different parts of the country, they look different. And for me, iBird Pro has the variety that makes it uh, easy to use and easy to access all the different information about them. So if you have an inkling as to what it might be, by the time you bounce around a few of those different birds, you can narrow it down pretty well. And one bird app that a lot of beginning birders go to a lot is called Merlin. Okay. Yeah, which I've was a tool that. developed by Cornell. And it's interesting because it takes all the millions and millions of bits of data that people have put on eBird and collects it so that if you're out in the field and you're wondering about a bird, it knows what your GPS location is. It knows what birds have been seen in that area. And you answer a few questions of approximately how big was the bird? 
what was it doing? You know, was it sitting on the ground, sitting up in a tree? What are two or three of the major colors on the bird? And based on that information and the information and data that it has in eBird, it says, it comes up with some answers to you and says, was your bird this? And it shows a picture with links to more data or is was your bird this or this? So it's not 100% accurate yeah. because what you see and how you describe it may not be helpful, but it's a very good tool for beginners to start to look at, to point them in the right direction. Apps can be a gateway to information that would otherwise be very time-consuming to obtain. Whether you use a more general app or a more specialized one, it will definitely be easier and faster to find almost anything that you're looking for. If you're looking for an app that is free, Merlin Bird ID is a good option. But if you don't mind spending $20, the Sibley Bird 2nd Edition app will probably serve you well for quite a while. While I use my phone for a lot of things, learning about birds is not one of them. There's just something about flipping through the pages of a paper field guide that I enjoy. The last recommendation for identifying birds out in the field comes from Bob, who suggests bringing an additional tool along. A camera, a point-and-shoot camera for less than $100, better than anything else, will aid beginning birders and experienced birders, for that matter, in bird identification. I use my camera all the time for that. We'll see a bird will be out in the field, and the bird may be 200 yards away sitting on a post, and you're not certain what it is. You can take photographs, and then you get home, put them on your computer, blow the pictures up, and then make a make an identification. The photograph of the bird may not be something you want to sell to a magazine, but it may be clear, far clear enough to to allow an exact identification. Yeah. And in addition to that, you just reminded me of the fact that if you are taking a photo of a bird, you can also do a video. And if you do a video, you'll catch this, the bird's call. So that mm. bird you were just saying, I'm hearing a bird here. What is this? And you played it for us. Yeah. And then we were we said, oh, yeah, that's, that's it sounds like a Lucy's Warbler. Yeah. Uh, so that's another really good way if you, can, uh, if you can do a recording of the bird that you're hearing, but you don't see, or if you do see, it's very quick. Mm-hmm. And you can li- play somebody that recording and they might be able to identify it for you. Yeah. I agree with Bob and rely on my camera to identify new birds, as I found it to be the most effective way to do so. As I've become better at taking pictures of birds, it's forced me to pay more attention to their behaviors and to better anticipate their movements. So a byproduct of photographing birds has been a better understanding of how certain birds move. Even if I miss the colors of a bird flying by, I can make a pretty good guess based on their movement. Birding the same areas at similar times of days also helps. When out birding, being comfortable can make it easier to stay out longer and make the time you're out there a bit more enjoyable. The last category of items under $100 will consist of things that increase your comfort level while birding. Ray and Marsha talk about the value of having convenient access to things. Well, you know, I thought about this with the uh, Sibley's Guide mm-hmm. and the Vest. I don't really use apps very much. I, I do have Merlin, which is free. And binoculars and scopes cost a lot more than $100. Sure. So um, I think for that one, I just have to refer back to the Sibley and, uh, you know, wearing a vest. Also, also vest. You, you can have water. You bring water. So if you have a book and water and a smartphone and... Uh, a little pad to jot things down. So that's basically my answer on that. So just being able to conveniently carry those items with you. Yeah. My to fishing 
jacket. It's okay. a fishing vest, mm -hmm. and it has like 30 pockets. <laughs> and I can put my water in it, and if I carry a field guide, field guide fits in there. And then I could also put little snacks, mm. and I can put my camera, and everything fits in it. So that if I, if I want to go off and I don't want to carry everything with me, I can just take it off and set it aside. Um, nice. But it's very um, helpful to have everything in one place. Sure. And then I decorated it. I painted it on the back with a silhouette of a great blue heron. Oh. So it's just unique. Yes. It's my favorite piece of equipment. I think it makes things very convenient. It does. And it's like you said, it is very unique. Yep. While I don't own a vest or fishing jacket, I have noticed that comfy clothing, a nice hat, and a jumbo fanny pack have improved my birding experience. Being in Arizona, wearing clothing that can breathe is important to me. And, heeding Judy Bauer's advice, I avoid wearing white. One of my best birding days was when I was wearing a long-sleeve camo top and some lighter brown pants. It might have just been a coincidence, but since then, I've made an effort to wear colors that blend into the environment I'll be birding in. If you aren't carrying around a camera across your body, I would highly recommend a binocular harness. They can easily be found for under $20. They eliminate neck pain and make it almost painless to carry a pair of binoculars for hours. If you are carrying around a heavy telephoto lens on your camera, a comfortable strap can have a similar impact as a binocular harness. I found a $60 strap from Peak Design, the slide, to be comfortable and, for the past year I've owned it, has shown no signs of wear, so it's pretty durable. I attach one point to the camera and another to the tripod mount on the lens, which makes it comfortable to carry crossbody while still being quick and easy to lift up for a quick shot. It's true that you can bird just fine without buying any of these things, but I found that each purchase that eliminates a minor annoyance or helps me to more easily identify birds only contributes to making the experience more relaxing and enjoyable. After a busy work week, that level of relaxation and enjoyment is definitely appreciated. I hope you found something useful during this episode that contributes to making birding even more enjoyable for you. The next episode will likely be later than usual, and it will be a return to the interview format. Thank you for listening, and as always, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please let others know by leaving a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice. You can also let me know by emailing me at chrisatlookingatbirds.com. Until next time, keep looking at birds.